This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Do you want to set your child up for success? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Well, I know with Eleanor, when she was struggling so much with math, if she had been able to do online learning at home, she would have been much better able to keep up with class, and that would have just made the whole situation much easier for her. Don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And happier listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com happier. Visit IXL.com happier to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that's all about ideas and hacks for how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, we'll talk about why it's a good idea to boost your energy and take a deep dive back into the important subject of loneliness. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister Elizabeth Kraft, my happiness guinea pig, or some might say, innocent bystander. (laughs) That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. Gretch, I love being your guinea pig. (laughs) Um, And I have to apologize because I'm having internet trouble again, so um, I may not sound as clear as I usually do. Yeah. But I'll still be monotone. So, <laughs> so we talked about what some listener called texticate, which was a, a great word that we loved about. What do you do about texting? Like, do you not text people at night? Do you use your settings? It really struck a chord with people. Yeah, it's there is a big debate. Some people think it's on you to have your phone turned off at night if you don't want to get texts, and others feel it's the height of rudeness to text someone at any sort of hour when you think they might be asleep. So it kind of comes down to a central question, right? Yes. And the central question is, if something is annoying you, do you expect other people to change or do you expect yourself to change? Is it that others have to be taught more courtesy or is it that you have to teach yourself how to use the settings on your phone more effectively? Right. Yeah. And I I say I land on the side of you really should learn to use the settings on your phone. Of course, having said that, I don't personally (laughs) learn how to use the settings on my phone. I just go, oh, well, just be woken up by text. Right. But what was really interesting about what people said is there are a lot of things that you can do in settings. And so maybe if you're dealing with this, go to a really tech-savvy friend and talk through what some of the possibilities are for fixing it. Because as one person pointed out, 
a lot of people don't want to use do not disturb because they want to be available if there's an emergency. But as one person pointed out, often the person who is texting you and annoying you, it's like one person, like your sister-in-law from across the world is sending you pictures of the kids at 2 a.m. and can never remember not to do it. You could just block her and probably solve 90% of your problems and just say to your sister-in-law and your brother, hey, brother, you call if there's an emergency because sister-in-law is blocked or whatever. But there are tech solutions for a lot of problems. And there's other solutions because sometimes it's easier to change things on your own end rather than to expect other people to change. And I think a lot of the time it would work just to tell the person, hey, remember, I'm three hours earlier, so try not to text me before, you know, uh, noon your time or 11 your time or whatever. And the person probably will comply at least most of the time. Yeah. Well, and have I done a better job of not texting you during your sleeping time? Because, again, like I didn't. You have. It just never occurred to me. I don't sleep next to my phone, so it's not something that bothers me. So. Anyway, so it it was a lot of interesting solutions to this problem, and it's clearly something that's still evolving as Textiquette. Yes, yes, Textiquette. So, Alyssa, this week, the Try This at Home tip is to boost your energy. Which sounds like a great idea, but why is this worth making a special effort, like, in the moment? Well, so this is the thing about energy is when you have energy, everything is easier. It's easier to exercise. It's easier to eat right. It's easier to keep your temper. It's easier to have a sense of perspective and a sense of humor. I remember when I was writing The Happiness Project and I was trying to figure out what aspect of my life would I tackle first, I decided I would tackle energy because I thought, well, if I have more energy, then it'll be easier to do things like start a book group or clear out clutter because energy just allows us to follow through better on anything that we want to do in any aspect of our lives. Well, Gretch, what about people who say they're too tired to do anything to boost their energy? I, I may be one of those people. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's right. Well, there's, there's certain things that you can do that are like the big long-term things to boost your energy. And two of them are super obvious, right? If I was going to say, what are the most obvious long-term things that you could do to boost your energy? What would you say? Well, get enough sleep, I would say, would be number one. Yeah. And exercise would be number two. Absolutely. We all know this. The science is absolutely there for both of them. Getting enough sleep is crucial for energy. People kid themselves that they've trained themselves to get by on, you know, four or five hours. It's just not true. When scientists study those people, they're really impaired. And if you're tired, it's just hard to do anything. And the other thing is exercise. A lot of times people think that they're too tired to exercise. I mean, Elizabeth, you've said this about your treadmill desk. Actually, unless you're exercising at the extreme level, exercise tends to boost energy instead of depleting energy. And so getting some exercise often makes you feel more energetic, not less energetic. And so that's a great way to build energy. Yes, I find that sometimes I'll be sitting on the couch in our office and just feel so tired. And I'm like, oh, I can't get on the treadmill desk. I'm just too exhausted. But if I get on it like five minutes later, I'll feel like, oh, okay, I'm not so tired. I I can think about this story. So it actually does. uh, I don't know if it's also like blood flow, Mm -hmm. you know, circulation. Uh, It it definitely boosts my energy. I just never think it does. (laughs) You know, yeah, it's a good thing to remind yourself of that. But so those are the big long term things. Listen, I think everybody knows that feeling of like, yes, these are the big building blocks of life that I need to tackle. But also there's like short term emergency band-aid type fixes that you could do if you need like a quick shot of energy right now. Because we all know that feeling, right? Where you're like, okay, I need it right now. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorites 
is doing 10 jumping jacks. Yes. It sounds silly, but like even here when we're recording a podcast, I will do jumping jacks or just jump up and down a few times because it's lighthearted. It's playful. There's just something about getting your feet off the ground that just wakes you up and makes you feel more energetic. And if other people see you, that's even more of an energy booster because you feel very goofy. And I do this with my daughters all the time. If they're really dragging or they're feeling blue, they kind of need to shake themselves up. I'm like, give me 10 jumping jacks. And it really does give you a lift in a surprisingly easy, quick way. I should start doing that with Jack in the morning before school. Right when I get him out of bed and he's just dragging. (laughs) We should all do jumping jacks. Yes. If you all three did it, I'm sure he would get a huge kick out of that. You could make him be the counter. Yes. He's the platoon leader or whatever. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, Of course, listening to music is a huge way that I think people get energy boosts. Oh, yeah. Listening to upbeat music is one of the quickest, easiest ways to boost your energy. And I mean, everybody knows this at a gym. There's been research showing that people exercise more intensely when they're listening to upbeat music. And one of the things that's nice about it is it's very easy. Like if you're really, really dragging and you're like, I just can't make myself do anything, you can probably get yourself to turn on one of your favorite upbeat songs. Yeah. I mean, Gretchen, if I'm driving to work and I'm really tired, I always turn on music Mm. because I it's like I need it to, you know, get my energy up. So I definitely ascribe to this. Yeah, and for people who want some ideas of things to listen to, we have our Spotify list to listen to our Happier 911 compilation of everybody's favorite happiness-boosting songs. So that's a great way to get energy, too, is to listen to the Spotify list. Yeah, there's hundreds of great songs. Everyone should check that out. Yeah. Now, another one that's a less, I think, fun one, but which also works for sort of a mental boost of energy is to tackle a nagging task. Because a lot of mm. a lot of times we have like an email that we just don't want to write or there's something that you have to look up that's going to be complicated or you need to go change a light bulb or whatever. And there's something about tackling a task that's been weighing on you, even a minor task that gives a burst of energy. It's like that to do list jolt. And so sometimes you can almost find something and say, I'm just going to cross this off my list just in order to get that boost and get that relief from having it done. And then also you have the benefit of having done it. So it's sort of a double benefit way to get an energy boost. Yeah, it's like counterintuitive that you would do something onerous to get more energy. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yes. In a similar way, I think sometimes doing a whirlwind cleanup, like maybe give yourself 10 minutes and say, in 10 minutes, I'm going to clean up as much as I can and I'm just going to race around because it's sort of like doing something fast, making a lot of quick decisions, and then you have the the orderliness that comes from it. And that also, for a lot of people, boosts energy. It's calming, but it's also energy boosting to have more order. So if you're like, okay, in 10 minutes, I'm going to clean out my office as much as I can, or in 10 minutes, I'm going to clean up as much as I can in the kitchen. In 10 minutes, if you're moving fast, you can get a lot done. You can make a big dent, and that, that also boosts energy. Yeah, and along the same lines, Gretchen, as the music one, you could listen to a high-energy podcast. Like for me, listening to Bitch Sesh really lifts me up. Yeah. So if I'm not listening to music, then I'll listen to that, and it makes me laugh, and I'm smiling, and then suddenly I have more energy. Well, and, you know, that's a good example of the fact that what research shows is that we're constantly passing information and moods back and forth between each other. Uh, Even, like, looking at a photograph or talking to someone on the phone, we're constantly transferring uh, among ourselves. And one of the things about Bitch Sash is, like, it's a very high-energy, fun show, and you pick Mm -hmm. up their energy. You're listening to them talk 
talk in this animated, lively way. And it gives you a lift. I mean, I don't even watch The Housewives, but sometimes I'll (laughs) listen to Bitch Sesh just because I love the vibe so much. And I get a lift from it even though I have no idea what they're actually talking about. Right. <laughs> of course, I understand every detail. <laughs> now, there's sort of physical energy and there's mental energy. And I think for mental energy, sometimes you can have a mantra that will help you get into the mental frame of mind to be more energetic. Um, one of my mantras, which is both a mantra and a physical activity, is to go outside. I mean that literally and metaphorically. So go outside, like literally go outside into the light. That boosts energy. Just having sunlight in your face boosts light. It's a change of atmosphere. You have fresh air. You're experiencing the weather. That boosts my energy. But also go outside and sort of like get outside my own head, take a break, look at things in a new way, pick up an article that I'm reading that has nothing to do with anything that I would usually be reading about. Getting outside my head and getting outside my space is a mantra that I often use to give myself more energy. How about you? Do you have a mantra that you use? Um, Well, you know, Sarah and I have a mantra I think we've talked about. It's one we got from um, our live show in Seattle from one of our listeners, don't treat a gift like a burden. Sometimes like if we have to do uh, a rewrite or something, we're like, oh, my God, we can't do this, you know, work on this thing again. We'll be like, don't treat a gift like a burden. Don't treat a gift like a burden. Like, OK, we want to be doing this. This right. is a good thing that we're, do- <laughs> you know, we're doing. And it will sort of get us lifted and um, ready to do what we have to do. Yeah, it gives you that second wind to re-engage in, in a big task. Yeah, I mean, there's just that boost of energy is the thing that can sometimes just carry you over to where you need to get to. Um, even if it feels like it's not, you're not going to have a reserve, sometimes I think if you do these things, you can just find it and um, it makes all the difference. Yes, absolutely. So let us know if you do try this at home and how boosting your energy works for you and what you do to boost your energy. It would be great to have some more quick fixes for getting energy boost. Let us know. Maybe maybe we'll get enough for another uh, like PDF compilation. I love this. Mm-hmm. Let us know on Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes, happiercast.com slash 115 for anything related to this episode. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team 
And hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Gretchen, we were just talking about music as a way to boost energy. And today we have a great happiness hack from a listener named Elizabeth about music. Elizabeth writes, I really love music. I listen to it every single day. I have a broad taste and I don't snub any style. As long as it touches my heart, my soul, or gets me into the groove and makes me want to dance, I love it. But when my heart aches, I find it hard to find songs that do not remind me about love and relationships. It's quite a popular subject. Some songs I love deeply and rejoice me when I'm happy will bring me down if I'm already feeling sad. A friend of mine who went through a bitter divorce told me that she had the same problem and started to listen to music in foreign languages. Mm. The lyrics could be about any subject. Even the saddest of love songs wouldn't affect her since she wouldn't understand what it was about. <laughs> I'm a Google Play music subscriber, so I could easily give it a try while looking at their playlists, and it really works for me, too. I created my own playlist with songs from everywhere around the world, and I have it at hand when I want to listen to music, but I don't feel like being reminded about how love rules the world. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fantastic idea. I love that. Yeah. Well, because on the one hand, it's cool because you're listening to this music from other countries that you haven't listened to before. And she's right. It gets you out of this problem of being constantly reminded about love and breakups and relationships and romance. Just doesn't matter to you because you don't understand what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah, that is a great hack. So thank you, Elizabeth, for that music and romance related hack. Okay, Gretchen, it is time to do a deep dive. And this week we're doing a deep dive into the subject of loneliness. We discussed loneliness at length in our very special episode 110. And one of the things we did was identify different types of loneliness. And we got so much um, reaction to this. And a lot of people had additional kinds of loneliness they named and also had a lot of ways to cope with loneliness, which were really helpful. Yeah, it's really useful to have a framework for thinking about different types of loneliness. And several listeners identified ones that we did not. And one listener added something so true, and we're not including her name for reasons that will become obvious, because she talks about the loneliness of having a secret. She writes, the conventional wisdom seems to be that loneliness is a condition experienced by others, the Eleanor Rigby's of the world. There is very little acknowledgement that vibrant, successful, motivated, attractive people can feel loneliness too. One aspect of loneliness that you didn't touch upon is the loneliness of having a secret. I'm going through this right now. I've had chronic health issues that people wouldn't know from observing me in the world. I just recently got some very bad results that might signal something very serious 
or might just be a bump in the road. Until further testing, it won't be clear what it is. This has triggered an intense loneliness. I don't want to share this information with loved ones just yet because I don't want to cause them potentially unnecessary distress. After all, maybe it's not too bad. And I don't want to share with more distant acquaintances because it's boring, and I hate to say it, a potential sign of weakness. So until further results are in, I'm keeping this bit of ambiguous but potentially very bad news to myself. I've talked to others with similar feelings about other sources of dread, say impending job loss or other career setbacks or similar looming, potentially very bad news. There is often a sinking feeling from the time one feels things are going south and the ultimate resolution, good or bad. When it is a friend going through a tough time, I find myself saying, why didn't you tell me sooner? I would have been there for you. But now going through this healthcare myself, I can understand the reluctance to share the anxiety in the nascent stage, especially at a stage when the worst result may never come to pass. But wow, what an intense loneliness this triggers. I think this form of loneliness exists in much less dramatic forms, too. Kids get a bad grade on a test, but feel they can turn the final grade around, for example. So they keep the first grade a secret, triggering intense loneliness. I think I really identified with this. I think that this having a secret, not feeling like you can share a secret with the world, that is such a lonely feeling where you have to keep it to yourself. Yeah. I mean, I felt that way even just like when I first got diagnosed with diabetes, I was like, it was just, I didn't know if I should tell people, you know, or yeah. because I was like, is it really relevant? But at the same time, it was all that was on my mind and it was a very it, it was a very separate feeling. You know, I had told family and close friends, but it was a weird feeling just to be moving through the world with this thing in your head that nobody else knows about. So I, I, I mean, and, and that was something that, you know, is manageable, luckily. But I relate to that feeling of having something that you don't want to share, but is so isolating. Well, we had kind of the opposite experience with with Jamie was going on the hepatitis C medication because he'd been on several experimental treatments that didn't work. Mm -hmm. And then he was on one where they really did think it was going to work. And but I just didn't want to tell people because I'm like, he's tried things before. It hasn't worked. It seems like it's going to be such a miracle. It would be so transformative if it didn't work. But I didn't even want people to be asking about it because it's like, ugh, we have to wait six months after he even finishes. And so you do, you feel isolated because you just, you don't want to put other people through this whole process. And yet, if you don't, then you're alone with it. So yeah. that, was, that was great. Very insightful. Very insightful. Um, and then our listener, Molly, wrote to us about grief loneliness. She said, one kind of loneliness that I thought I would toss into the discussion is the grieving process, death, breakups, etc. When one experiences grief, obviously there can exist a number of other feelings, depression, anger, denial, etc. But grief can have its own kind of loneliness. I lost both of my parents in a car crash a few years back, and though I had the support of my partner, siblings, relatives, and friends, what I realized at the end of the day was that it was me alone that could get through this. And damn, was that lonely and barren if feelings can be described that way. I would expect that others who experience serious illness or are going through the dying process might also think along these lines. You can have all the support and love in the world, but there are some things that one must do alone and it can be incredibly lonely. Also empowering, depending on perspective. Yes. So that's profound. That is profound. Yes. That in the end, it's you who's going to have to go through it. And that is that is a very, very lonely feeling. And and sort of related to that is um, Marie Lees wrote about the loneliness of having a disease like cancer, this idea of 
you know, are you going through it alone? I wanted to share another type of loneliness, which is having a disease like cancer. During the treatment of cancer, you are surrounded with people ready to help you, being the doctors, your friends, your family, etc. However, once the treatment is done, loneliness can be hard to live with, as usually nobody around you knows what you have gone through and your fear of cancer coming back. You have to live with this every day. It is especially hard with cancer when people cannot usually see that you have had the disease and do not realize what has happened to you. I realized while listening to your podcast how lucky I am to have found recently a friend who had gone through cancer herself. This friendship is so important as she's the only person around me who has any idea. So she found somebody who did really understand what she was going through and really could identify with it. And that so that was a good way of dealing with that kind of loneliness is sort of finding someone who who really, really gets it. Yeah. And so many of our listeners had great ideas for combating um, whatever kind of loneliness that they were going through. Shannon wrote to say that when her tight group of four best friends spread out and found it hard to keep up, they decided to keep an all-day group text going. So just mundane things so they always feel close to each other. It's sort of, Gretchen, an advanced form of our (laughs) update. It's just an ongoing group text. I've noticed this is very common in like millennials. You know, it's just they might have 15 different group texts going at all times. Yes. And we don't do that at all. No. But it's interesting because I think one of the ideas that she points out, and this is what we found in our family update, is that sometimes it is the very boring little things from your day that make people feel connected to you and like they're really part of your life. It's like sometimes when you're connecting, you feel like it should be kind of the highlight reel, whereas in fact, sometimes it's the little bitty things that make people feel the most connected. And a group text is certainly a way to involve people in the minor, the minutia of life. Absolutely. So one another kind of loneliness we talked about was quiet presence loneliness. And Sydney wrote them when she was experiencing quiet presence loneliness, because her husband got his first policing job and so was gone on weekends and nights, they got a dog. They'd always wanted a dog, and then they got a dog. And she said that their golden doodle Harvey became the quiet presence I was missing while my husband was at work at strange times. So that was a great way to deal with that. Yeah, and then uh, Melanie had an interesting take on loneliness. She said, when I moved to Colorado after college, I was so very lonely. However, I used that time when I didn't have many friends to teach myself how to cook, bake, and to crochet. They are now some of my most treasured skills, and I look back on that very hard, lonely time with fondness. I eventually made friends, and now I have a great friends group. I always suggest to my friends, if they are moving to a new place, that they learn a new skill. No matter what, making new friends takes time, and you can use that lonely time productively to make your life better and happier in the future. I mean, that's a great idea. It's a great idea because it's it's sort of turning a drawback into a benefit, which is like, I don't have a lot of friends to hang out with, so I have all this time to develop a new skill. And then as she says, then the new skill stays with you because then you make the friends, but you've used that time productively to add to your life. And so something was missing, but you use that time to gain something that then is going to enrich the whole rest of your life. I thought that was just such a constructive way of dealing with that feeling of lack. Yes, I'm guessing Melanie is a very uh, glass half full kind yeah. of person. <laughs> yes, exactly. And many listeners wrote about turning loneliness into some kind of benefit, like volunteer for an organization or use something like Meetup to help them find people who share their interests and values. One listener, Holly, who is a devoted cyclist and runner who lives in Colorado, 
Tons of people in Colorado love the outdoors, but her family didn't. And it was lonely to go around the Colorado outdoors alone. And she said it was also probably kind of unsafe. Mm -hmm. So she decided to join a meetup group. And so she found a bunch of people who love cycling the way she does. And her, she says, the moral of the story is when the people closest to you don't share your interests, Meetup can help you find others to do. So that's a great way of creating relationships based on a mutual interest. Because if you have that feeling, I'm different loneliness, where I'm interested in something that the people around me aren't, well, you can find the people who are and then make connections that way. Yeah. And Gretchen, during this deep dive, I have to mention that my herd from Daisha, um, who was oh, Jack's yeah. first nanny, as she started when he was three months old. And she um, moved a few years ago to Nebraska. So this episode really resonated with her. She said, I have had several types of loneliness happen all at once recently. Moving to a new state where I knew no one, having a husband that travels for weeks at a time, and then quitting my job to become a stay-at-home mom, quadruple whammy. I tend to feel awkward when meeting new people, and it doesn't come easy for me. But I realize the risk of friend rejection or the pangs of awkwardness when meeting someone new are small prices to pay for happiness. I have really tried putting myself out there this past year and a half, and the benefits have been amazing. I met a group of moms at my breastfeeding support group that met every Wednesday, and they have become my squad. It's been wonderful to be on this journey with some cool ladies who are in the thick of mom life with me. I also took over the president position of my neighborhood moms group when the position opened up. It was scary for me to accept it. I thought, will they like me? What if I fail? But I have made some wonderful friendships through that as well. And all these mamas live in my neighborhood, which is wonderful. And then she also says her friends know that her husband travels, so they make an effort to, you know, look out for her and invite her to things so that she doesn't feel the sweetheart loneliness. So I'm happy that Daisha has, like, really been proactive and cured her own loneliness. And one of the things she says is something that the loneliness research really shows, which is when you're feeling lonely, it can feel extra hard to put yourself out there. You don't want to risk rejection. It feels harder to connect with people. But actually, that's something that helps you get over loneliness. And so, so maybe you do just sort of have to grit your teeth and put yourself in situations that feel uncomfortable or, you know, take on positions that feel a little bit like a stretch. Because as Daisha says, from that come these relationships, which in the end are going to really sustain you. It can feel hard to put yourself out there. Yeah. So gold star to Daisha. Yeah. <laughs> going outside her comfort zone. Yeah. And thanks so much to listeners. We got so many emails. This really struck a chord with people. And one of the big lessons is that everybody struggles with loneliness, many kinds of loneliness over the course of their lives. And so sometimes it's just reassuring to remember that. Other people are experiencing the same thing you have, and that there's some comfort in that. Yeah, I think realizing loneliness is normal. A certain amount of loneliness actually can make you feel less lonely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gretch, I love eating sandwiches like a grilled cheese or a peanut butter sandwich <laughs> is my ideal lunch, but I'm very aware of my carb intake, so oftentimes I avoid sandwiches. Luckily, Hero Bread has remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no-net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories. Plus, it has protein and fiber. I have been using it to make grilled cheeses, and I use their tortillas to make a cheese quesadilla, and I am in heaven. Hero Bread tastes great. 
has a terrific texture, and helps you meet your nutrition goals. Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use happier at checkout. That's happier at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Okay, Gretch, it is time for demerits and gold stars, and this week you're up with a happiness demerit. Yes, well, before I earned a gold star for this, as you said, but this time I earned a demerit. So what happened was that I was at my reunion for the clerks of Justice O'Connor. So we all went to Phoenix and Justice O'Connor was there. I think she's had 104 people clerk for her, but not everybody was there, but a lot of us were there. And we had a lunch and we had a dinner. And so I was at the dinner and we're walking back to the hotel and I'm with a bunch of people who I really like. And I had been sort of winding down the evening in my mind. We've had our drinks, we've had our dinner, and now we're going back to the hotel and we're going to bed. And then as we walk into the hotel, somebody says like, hey, let's all go to the hotel bar and have a drink. And everybody's like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And just the words came out of my mouth. No, I'm on East Coast time. I need to go to sleep. Have a great night. And I went up and I went to bed. And then I Of course, the next morning, I regretted it. I ran into somebody at the airport who was also flying back to New York. He's like, oh, yeah, we had a great time. And it's one of these things where, because I'd given my gold star when I stayed up late in Havana. Yes. I think it's just one of these things where know your nature, know your own faults and limitations. And some people probably need to school themselves and restrain themselves from going out and staying out too late and drinking too much. But I have the opposite problem. I mm-hmm. need to remind myself, right, right. go out, stay up late. Have fun. Yeah, it was just it was just my instinct. That's just the way I automatically. And I do think if I had known in my mind like an hour before that this plan was afoot, I could have prepared for it mm-hmm. mentally. And it was just in my mind. It was too abrupt to change. I also don't deal well with spontaneous change. Maybe it's being in a polder. But next time, I'm, I'm really going to try to stay alert for these. Because one time I did it and got the gold star. And one time I didn't. And then I regretted it. So I just want to stay alert for these opportunities in the future. Yeah, Greg, I happen to know you're meeting some of your friends from high school in Ojai. <laughs> yes. So I want you to plan now to stay up late. <laughs> yes. Good. I, yes. Good pep talk. Yes. I'm going to stay up late. I'm going to get my gold star for all that. So, um, so Alyssa, well, what's your gold star? Next time I, I vow that I will earn a gold star next time. What's your gold star for this, for this episode? Uh, well, I am giving uh, my gold star to Adam's aunt Aida. You know, Easter happened recently and she hosts Easter for the whole extended family every year. It's one of those things where you don't have to ask, what are we doing on Easter? Because you know that she is hosting it. Wow. And she also lost her husband recently. So even so, she still continued on with the tradition of hosting and having an egg hunt and ham and, you know, all the great things that you associate with Easter And it's just such a nice family event. And I love knowing what we're doing. Yeah, It's like you just don't have to scramble. Um, And so I give her a big gold star for putting out that effort every year, especially this year. And also with she's one of these people who she makes it look easy. You don't feel like she's stressed and, you know, she she doesn't care when you show up. And, you know, she's just very welcoming. Um, And it's just a really fun time. So I give, you know, it's a lot of people, too. It's like, I think, at least 20 people. Wow. Big gold star to her for hosting the annual Easter gathering. Well, and I would like to stretch that gold star to 
everybody who has an, an annual traditional party because it really is yeah. a lovely thing to help other people kind of organize their holidays and organize their time. And when people do that, I always do really look forward to it. And it is a lot of work and it's a big commitment to have all these people counting on you and maybe even taking you for granted sometimes. So if you're a person who does that, gold star for you because it really does add, I think, to the happiness of other people quite a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And since I'm not someone who's a natural host, I appreciate it that much more. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Boost your energy. Let us know if you tried it, how it worked for you, and what did you do to boost your energy? Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers at Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Kraft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, as always, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes. And remember, if you want to listen to more podcasts that kind of have the same vibe as Happier, check out Side Hustle School from Chris Grillabo. It's a daily podcast that's going to give you ideas for starting a side hustle. And also Radical Candor, which is from Kim Scott and Russ Laraway, which is all about how to manage your work life better, how to manage being a boss, having a boss having colleagues. They're both excellent shows that are about how to make your life better. And those are part of the Onward Project, the family of podcasts that I've put together. And for something completely different from that, if you want to listen to the longer Gary Tobbs interview that I did with him, we talked to him in episode 98. We interviewed him on the podcast. But I also have a written transcript of an even longer interview that I did with him about sugar and why we should all consider quitting sugar. You can email me at podcast at GretchenRubin.com for the Gary Tobbs extended interview. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.